Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. We are continuing our trifecta of fall previews here, and uh, we are continuing with UCF Volleyball heading into the fall of 2017, Eric Lopez. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, so every, everyone around here who listens to us knows that softball is your sport, right? I think that's safe. Eh, to say. That's an understatement, right? right. <laughs> volleyball. I've been doing it broadcasting since like 07, sure. Now, volleyball is my sport. I love UCF volleyball. It was the first sport that I, um, that, that I covered when I was a freshman in the fall of 2001. It was the first UCF sporting event I ever went to. And, you know, I was spoiled as a student at UCF because we had mm-hmm. some amazing teams that uh, won three consecutive conference titles. Um, and, uh, and Todd Dagenet, the head coach at UCF Volleyball now, is looking to reestablish that tradition. And uh, we've got a preview of his 2017 team uh, coming at you right here. So a couple of quick reminders. Um, make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We've got all of our fall sports previews coming up there underneath the series we, we like to call Everything You Need to Know about whichever sport heading into their uh, 2017 season. Follow us on Facebook as well. Give us a like. Send us a holler. Uh, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. You can also subscribe to our podcast if you don't already on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, and don't forget to leave us a uh, leave us a like, leave us a rating on iTunes as well. That helps us out. Tell all your friends uh, over at UCF uh, who are UCF friends uh, and fa- any UCF friends and family. Tell them, tell them about us and uh, make sure they subscribe. Um, all right, so let's talk about UCF volleyball. So Todd Dagenet is heading into his tenth season uh, at UCF, which is uh, really something when you think about that. He's actually now the longest tenured UCF volleyball head coach. He because uh, Meg Colada was at UCF for nine years, so Todd uh, actually eclipses Meg um, in that department. And he comes in 23 wins shy of becoming UCF's all-time leader in wins as a head coach. Laura Smith stands at 188 career wins at UCF. For Of course, Laura Smith, who played for Lucy McDaniel back in the 1978 National Championship team. Lucy McDaniel has 182 career wins. Um, and Todd is, uh, is nipping on their heels at 165. So... Um, <clears throat> this should be uh, so. If UCF has a has a big year, um, that would you know he has a chance to actually e- become the winningest head coach in school history by the end um, of the season. So, a um, couple things to note: looking back at UCF from uh, last year, great season. I think I think UCF actually uh, outkicked their coverage last year because they. Went twenty three and ten, thirteen and seven in the league, uh, and this was coming off a year where they were actually below five hundred due to a number of injuries, particularly to Kia Bright, which uh, um, they lost her for the entire season back in twenty fifteen. She came back; she was very good, not you know, not quite the same coming back in twenty sixteen, Eric, um, but she should be back at full force um, this year. A bunch of interesting newcomers. Uh, and, uh, you know, for UCF, you know, they want to get back to the, to the, to, you know, the, the kind of team that they had back in 2014. Remember when they won the, 
uh, American. Uh, remember, they don't have a postseason volleyball tournament in the American. So uh, it's going to be so it's all done in the in the regular season. And this year, there's a new addition to the conference in Wichita State. Wichita State's pretty good. Um, they uh, are were a perennial power in the Missouri Valley Conference. So, um, you know, looking back at this, you know, uh, you know, I know that um, with two, se- you basically have two seniors this year, Kia Bright and Taylor Wickey, who were on that 2014 team um, that are going to be key. But um, before we go over to head coach Todd Dagena here for in a second for an interview I conducted with him after the black and gold scrimmage um, this past weekend, Eric. Um, what have you been actually seeing about UCF volleyball so far that that you actually really liked about this team uh, coming into this season? Because I'll because I'll, you're going to hear from me in a little bit, but it, you know I wanted to get your take on this. Well, I think there's a sense of I know in talking to Coach Dagenet, uh, even you know during the spring uh, and a little bit during the off season, as well as uh, Coach uh, Associate Coach uh, Coach Maurer. Uh, Jenny there. I, I think they feel good about the depth, right? Like, I mean, the, the big question is going to be, well, who replaces Jayla Harvey? But yet I feel like they feel confident that they have more depth, more uh, options this year than maybe last year. And obviously Kia Bright being a year more removed from the injuries, uh, you might even see her best year yet. So I, I that's the sense that I've gotten. I'm sure you got a better perspective having been at the scrimmage and talking to coach as we'll hear shortly. Um, and I, 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 you know, it's interesting. I mean, the, the league, as we'll get into later, is, is I think, as tough as it's ever been. It was a banner year for the league last year, a multiple bid league for the first time in the, since the American Conference was, was created, with obviously SMU and Cincinnati getting in. Some believe that Temple should have been in. Some thought UCF should have been in. Uh, and so I, I think the, that that's going to be the interesting thing is, and you think back, uh, Jeff, how many tight matches they could have gone the other way yeah. uh, last season. I, I think back to the Temple match um, in Orlando, which I got to call for the American Digital Network. I know you were there calling it on the PA. That could have gone either way. Who knows? Maybe if UCF wins that match and maybe one other match, that gets them into the tournament. That's how tight it was. And that's going to be the key to me. And then the thing I'm looking forward to hearing is kind of what's the difference there that can make the difference in a point or two. Maybe it's going through that success, maybe ahead of schedule, as you've alluded to. Uh, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. Yeah, they lost uh, of of their 10 losses last year. Mind you, they were 20, you know, 23 wins. Four losses came in five sets. So flip that around 27 and six. I mean, you're going to the tournament definitely if you get to that point. So, um, <clears throat> so nonetheless, you know, coming off that 20 win season, I think that they're not satisfied um, a- as they head into uh, the season. All right. So, without further ado, let's hear from the man himself. Here is my interview after the black and gold scrimmage uh, with UCF head volleyball coach Todd Dagenet. Todd Dagenet joining us for our season preview interview here in year number ten. Time flies, doesn't it? it's you know i'm speechless when when somebody says it's the 10 years you know we look back 10 years of this uh in our world 10 years is an eternity and somebody would have said i would have made it 10 years or i would be here for 10 years i would have said that's probably not likely because the average 10 years probably four years if you're lucky so i feel very fortunate i and for Katie and I to be able to be here and be welcomed at this school for 10 years 
and you know there's been the transition but the philosophy has never changed it's always been about excellence it's always been about winning championships it's been about excellence in the classroom student athlete experience and that vision has never changed and, and I really love now how we see a lot of that come to fruition to the point where it's getting jump started on you know by Danny White and, 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 the, and the group around him we're becoming a big time athletic school it's been um you know, we're sitting here after the black and gold scrimmage. The excitement now that starts with the year. I want to talk about the the schedule, basically, kind of starting out because this is a this is a tough schedule that you guys have have set up. You know, we're not going to see a home match until September the fifteenth, but you set it up that way so that you know you're going to get some experience on the road against some pretty tough teams. Tell me about the schedule starting off and how that all worked out. Well, the first thing I want to do is take our scheduler, hold them to the ground, and just pummel the crap out of them. Um, no, we had, we're in a situation where we had to return a bunch of trips. We had had several home tournaments, and we had to start returning those trips, and I just figured we're going to do it all at once and knock off northern Colorado, knock off central Arkansas. And um, then we started this Sunshine Challenge with Miami, Florida, Gulf Coast, and Florida Atlantic to try to have one year where we know we're not going to travel very far. So it just turns out that the first three weeks are on the road. That's an awful lot of travel. Um, then you and, come home and you got Virginia and Ole Miss. And then we come home and we have to play a, you know, an ACC and an SEC team. Um, but even when we go on the road, we're going to... You know, we're going to play Northern Colorado, who has first place votes in their poll for their conference. We're going to play Duke, a perennial top 25 team. We're going to play Colorado State, a perennial top 10, top 15 team. Then we get the Sunshine Challenge. Gulf Coast is picked to win, us, uh, win finish their conference first. Um, FAU is going to be very competitive again. I think they finished top five last year in their conference. Um, Miami, you know, NCAA tournament team. The last time we saw them, we lost a five-game heartbreaker in a NCAA tournament. And uh, so that doesn't get any easier. Then you go to Central Arkansas. They're getting first-place votes to win their league. Arkansas State is a perennial NCAA tournament team. You know, then we play Southern. And, you know, Southern, you can't overlook anybody. And that, that's our preseason. <laughs> Then we come home to play Virginia and Ole Miss. So, I mean, I probably overscheduled, but I'm not afraid of that. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to go out there and, and lay it out there. And whatever happens, happens. Either way, we're going to be ready for a conference that last year was ranked 6 out of 31. And this year is going to be ranked higher because we just added a top 30 team. Right, with Wichita, yeah. Right, so... You know, you look at it, you look at Wichita, you look at Cincinnati, who's going to be top 25 as well. SMU's always good. Temple brings back a lethal offense. They were top 50 last year. There's four teams right there. And so the coaches picked us fifth behind them, but I also feel like we can compete with and beat any one of those teams on any given night. So... The conference is going to be a bloodbath. USF is better. ECU is better. South Florida, like I said, you know they've had had a big influx of talent. Houston's going to be better. They're not going to be the 0-20 team that kept missing six or seven points here and there that cost the matches. Um, Tulsa's going to be good again. It's, it's going to really be a lot of fun to be back 
in a multi-bid league again. You know, it's been 10 years since I've been in a league that had a chance of getting three, four, maybe five yeah. conference bids. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to be part of that again. Well, you got some really good returners that are going to bring you back. And I want to talk specifically about Kia Bright, preseason pick uh, for all conference. How is she feeling now? You know, after the injury that she had, it always takes about another year before you're really back 100%. How is she looking right now? Yeah, I don't think anybody knows how how rough that injury was. You know, there was more than more than just the ACL. There was there's a little bit more there and you know, we got her back. We didn't rush her. She played last year, but even last year she played we didn't let her play at any more than 75%. And so we we're really monitoring her jumps, really monitoring her workload and she just didn't get to have the year. She got cheated out of a year because we held her back. If it was up to her, she would have went. You know, she'd have been like, she's a racehorse. You know, she hears the bell, she wants to go. And uh, this year, we're going to crank her loose. We're going to let her go. And she has been doing nothing but passing, playing defense, crushing the ball, blocking, being a great leader, voted team captain, and has been just an absolute pleasure for us to have around the team this year. So... There's nothing more you could ask out of somebody, you know, who's now been with us for four years. She's going to have to step up her offensive game, and a bunch of other people are going to because, you know, you, when you lose Jayla Hervey from last year, you know, that's a lot of offensive production that goes by the wayside. So who other, who are, in addition to Kia, who are the other players who are you looking to pick up that hole? Well, I think we've got a few different options. You know, the first of all, we have our transfer um, Stacy Zhang, who came in from LIU Brooklyn, um, she's done some really nice things in preseason camp that makes us believe, you know, she's got an opportunity to go out there and help us, and it doesn't hurt that she's six foot six, <laughs> and you know, blocking and attacking are things that she can do very well. Comes from a great pedigree. Her mom was a very famous player for the Chinese national team as a national celebrity. Her dad played in the Chinese version of NBA, the NBA. So she's got great lineage as well. She knows what it's like to pursue excellence. Um, that's one option. Option number two is Christina Fisher, who was all tournament at the USA Junior Olympics this year uh, in her age bracket. Um, she is a ready-made Terminator. She already knows how to play the position. She's done it for a long time. She can play the entire game all the way around. And um, there's been days where she's really impressed us. And then there's days where she, you know, she has to work on some things. And so she could be filling in that other role. And then the other one that we're really excited about, of course, is Lachey Harper comes off of her red shirt year now with a year behind her. She played all spring for us. She got the chance to play against Florida and Florida State and a lot of other teams and did very well with it. So I think we've got three great options uh, in that other left side spot. Plus, we have the depth. We can withstand injuries. We can withstand illness. We can withstand the things that you just you prepare. You can never prepare for, you know, because you just can't prepare for all the things that can happen. So, just in the left side, left side hitting group, the depth there is incredible. Up front, you know, in addition to you know Stacy Zhang and some of the other players you mentioned, you know, Jeannie Wesley's back, Alex Sable's back after a full year as a freshman where you, you couldn't keep her out of the lineup. She was so impressive last year. Uh, obviously, Taylor Wiki, who looks as good as ever right now. Um, how much more are we going to? Do you expect from those players on your front line coming into this year? I think Wiki's going to have an All-American type year. 
you know, I think she's going to have a Delana Sarden type year. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that's bold to make that kind of prediction, but I, that's that's what she's poised to do is put that kind of a year together. Um, Jeannie Wesley now has a year under her belt, and there's nothing worse than playing middle in college as a freshman. It is such a hard position to play, and she's improving by leaps and bounds every day. And the one that's really impressed us in practice has been Narissa Mrovic. I mean, she's um, she's picked up the offense. She's coming in faster. She's actually the fastest of the three middles. And her attacking is coming along. Her blocking is coming along. And again, you talk about depth. You have to have depth to win. And the middle is the position that most often gets injured, gets tired, gets overused. And to have the three of them that we can cycle through is going to be priceless as the year goes on. You know, you talk about Allie Sable, somebody that we had to, you know, we decided to pull off a redshirt last year because she was doing so well. And... Stacy can also play the right side. Uh, Christina Fisher can also play the right side. But the one that's really the breakout for us this year has been Anne Marie Watson, you know, local player right out of Hagerty High School. You know, we thought we'd bring her in, redshirt her, and just kind of bring her along. And she's impressed us every single day in practice. Every scrimmage, every opportunity she gets to go out there and perform, she's doing it. And she does it in such a humble respectful way she expects nothing she just wants to go out there and help the team and you know we may be dealing with another alley situation where you go in with a plan we're going to redshirt a kid and then all of a sudden she finds a way on the floor who knows um but yeah i, I really like where we are in the front line I, I think we can block i think we can attack I think our big players can handle the ball, and that gives us a chance to win. Nice problem to have. <laughs> no, it definitely is. Erin Olsen is another player who looked really impressive today, I thought, in the black and gold scrimmage. She transfers over from Bradley, and you know, having her in the setter position also, in addition to what Miranda Watkins brings to the table, is a really nice setup for you to have with those two players setting everything up. Sure. You know, Miranda's got two years under her belt now, and she just gets smarter and smarter on how to run the offense. She's a technician out there. She really understands how do you isolate people, how do you overload people, and she's really done a nice job. Alex Fisher coming in from Phoenix, I've been very impressed with her. She's... Uh, I keep calling her Brett Favre. You know, she's a gunslinger. And she goes out there and she will do things that setters are not supposed to do, but she finds a way to make it happen. And I cannot wait to see how she develops to the college game because we've been so impressed with her attitude and how she works and the things she does. And she'll make sets where the team will, you know, they'll ooh and ah over what she does. But yeah, you talk about Aaron Olsen and you know, the story behind her transferring in from Bradley is Jenny, our associate head coach, had recruited her when Jenny was the head coach at Bradley. And when Jenny came here, Aaron played a year at Bradley and then transferred here. Well, you know, we knew we were getting a good setter because she comes from a high-quality club. Um, we didn't know we were getting the setter that, that we got. And she just is an absolute field general. And she's polished already, and she's just a sophomore. And... Um, she gives us so many options because she's humble enough to set the 6-2 and allow other players to play, but she's tough enough to set the 5-1 if we want to do that and be the only setter on the floor. So we've got so many different ways we can play this. I have no idea how we're going to do it. Sitting here with you right now, less than a week from competition, I have no idea what our lineup is going to be. So she's come in as a leader. Um, she has come in as not somebody who sets but a setter. Um, she has made everybody around her better. 
and um, she's just the team will tell you she's just been a joy to have around. And then in addition to you know all this depth that you have you know on the back row, Jordan Pingle is back and she was such a revelation for you last year. Um, but you also have some depth with her. Abby looked pretty good at times here and there uh, during this scrimmage. What are you seeing from the defensive side on the back row as well? You know, Jordan now two years in a row fell just shy. And when I mean just shy, one year she fell one dig short and the other year was just a couple digs short of a school record. And you know, I think she's going to rewrite the record books in the back row and defensively and serve receive. And now she's taking charge of the back row and spacing out the serve receive and spacing out changing defenses. And she's doing this as, you know, going to be a junior now. Certainly a leader of a team. She's not our captain, but she's may as well be. Um, and I have not seen her play as steady as I've seen her play the last three weeks. She really is comfortable out there. She really owns that backcourt. And it's her show back there, and she's in charge, and she's doing such a great job with it. Now, again, depth is important. And Abby Zimroth has a year under her belt, had a good spring with us, has been practicing really well with us. And it's nice to have that backup person there. You know, if something was to go wrong, you know you have Abby. Abby can step into that role and do a good job. And then these two young players that, um, you know, came in, Kat Felice um, from up in Jacksonville and Mary-Kate Painter from Philadelphia. Mary-Kate is probably the quickest, most agile, fastest back row player we've had since I've been here. Um, she has got all the physical tools to be unbelievably dynamic. Now she just needs time, experience, and I've always said with the libero position, it takes 18 months before you really feel comfortable. And uh, once she starts getting that time under her belt, look out because I think she's going to be really good libero or defensive specialist. Kat has been as consistent as any freshman um, passing and playing defense that we've had. Um, she's just... She goes out there every day, and she is just consistent, doesn't make mistakes, does her job, you know, does all the little things like calling the ball and covering for people. And um, so to have that kind of depth where we can mix and match situationally against opponents is just going to be so much fun to have. So I don't like carrying a roster of 16. I think that's too many. But with us running a 6-2, I think it's okay. And with us having the depth that we have, it's okay. And I think as long as the team keeps their their focus on the team, you know, it's about the team and what the team can do, not so much about what they can do, I think we could really do some nice things this year. As you finish up, you know, you have a new assistant coach also with you. You know, Jenny Maurer came in last year, you know, a former head coach at Bradley came in. And, uh, and, and just having that extra experience of somebody who was also head coach has got to be valuable. Uh, and now uh, Brian Doyen comes in as well, and he has even more experience alongside. You guys are kind of like this three-headed monster of head coaches here it's like it's an amazing brain trust and we saw that today at the scrimmage with how things actually with how things actually worked out what does uh what does what do brian and jenny bring to the table for you in terms of just making things a little bit easier for you and so much better as well for the players as well well when mike decided to leave and go back closer to home to the west coast mike g mm -hmm. You know, you know, we thought about how do we fill that guy's shoes because he's been such an important part of our program. And, you know, we talked to people. We had informal conversations. And then I was at the NCAA Final Four, and Brian had given head coaching a shot. Now, this is a guy who was a Pac-12 assistant. 
you know, and, and decided to give head coaching a, a shot and figured out maybe it might not be the right thing for him right now and um, kind of pulled me aside after we had done 12, 13 interviews out at the Final Four and said, you know what, my wife and I would really love to move to Orlando and do this. And I, I told him, I'm like, I can't afford you. I, you know, you're, you're joking, right? <laughs> and, you know, uh, it, to have somebody... I know what it's like to coach in the Pac-12. I know what it's like to be an assistant. It is brutal yeah. in that conference. And for him to have run that gamut and done that, the experience and the things that he's seen and done, to have that in the office, when I think I see something one way and he sees it the other, at least at the very least, it causes me to step back and say, okay, let me take another look at this. And sometimes I go his way. Sometimes I go with my instinct. But to have somebody who's been through those ruthless Pac-12 battles is priceless. He's an unbelievable teacher. Our team loves him. And that, I think, more than anything else, his ability to train and teach and his ability to see the game at a high level has been priceless for us. We talk about Jenny now heading into her second year, getting a lot more comfortable with how we do things here, which is different. It's tough for a head coach when you've it's, she's only been a head coach, right? So it's tough when you've only been a head coach and you've always been in charge. Now someone else is in charge, and you know in her second year she's settling into that so well. And you look at the talent on the floor; it's because of one person. It's because of her. She's the recruiting coordinator. She's gone out and she's got that talent. You look at the 18 class that I can't talk about, the 19 class that I can't talk about, they're done. Yeah. And it's because of her. Wow. And it's because of the work ethic that she has, the pride for this school that she has, this desire to be a part of something great that she has. And you're right. The discussions that we have in the office are phenomenal because we have three people that can think like head coaches but are not afraid to defer to somebody else's idea. I am not afraid to defer. People told me I was crazy to hire two head coaches. Well, it's going to be so much dissension. Everybody's going to be trying to get their time. Hasn't been that way at all. I have three head coaches that can provide valuable opinions with no ego. And it, I tell you, it could, it could not have worked out better. Absolutely could not have worked out better. Three head coaches, 16 really talented players, 10 years in the books. And, uh, wow, this is probably about as exciting a team that we've seen in quite some time. Head coach Todd Dagenet of UCF Volleyball, thanks for joining me here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'll catch you in a month for your home opener. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe that we're playing this week. We're not going to be home for a month. But we'll look forward to seeing you there. And, and, and thanks for being a part of this. As always, you know, you've... You've been around us since the beginning, and, I, and you don't know how much I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate your support of our program and getting our message out because you know we're one of those sports that could get easily lost in the mix of everything else that's going on here, and, and you make sure that doesn't happen, so I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Coach. Thanks for letting me be a small, small, small part of it. Thanks, Coach. All right. All right. All right, thanks to Coach Todd. Thanks to uh, Ian McDonald as well, the uh, in charge of communications for volleyball this year. Um, so you can sense how Todd's pretty excited about this team coming in, Eric. And one of the things, I think you alluded to this before, is the fact that, you know, they have a lot of depth this year. And, you know, that could end up being a problem because, you know, I saw during the black and gold scrimmage, 
there were some players who who I thought you know who you would think would probably be like you know red shirt material, and you were kind of looking for them to kind of be like okay yeah that's why that person should that person should red shirt but everybody play it, it, the players on the bottom of the, uh, who would be on the bottom of the depth chart they were really making the dif- the decision difficult for the coaches, which I guess is a good problem to have but. Um, but the newcomers that they have last, uh, you know, this year, I think, you know, Todd mentioned it. The one who I'm really excited to see is uh, Aaron Olson, who's a sophomore setter from Cary, Illinois. She transfers over from Bradley. And I thought she put on a show in the uh, black and gold scrimmage. I was really excited to see, really excited to see what she does in the offense for Coach Todd. Uh, if he runs a 6-2 or a 5-1. Um, and then the other question is going to be, you know, and you mentioned this too earlier, you know, who picks up for Jayla Hervey? This is what I found out about Jayla Hervey. You ready for this? Yeah. Jayla last year racked up 504 kills. That is the highest, that was the 10th highest total in UCF history. And the highest total in UCF history in the rally scoring era. So that's since 2002. That was when they... Um, when they switched over the scoring from, you know, you had to you had to win in order to get a point, you had to win on serve. Um, you know, in 2002, they changed that to like whoever whoever, you know, wins the point win, gets a point. So think about that. So, you know, matches would go a lot longer back in the day. And think about that, that kind of production that you're missing. Five hundred plus kills, five point nearly five points. Uh, per set, so we're going to see. But I think you're going to see more out of Kia Bright. You know, uh, players. You know, some of the younger players that came in that came through last year, um, like Ali Sable, who was just a revelation on the right side. Uh, and then in the middle, you know, folks like you know, obviously I mentioned Taylor Wiki, but also Jeannie Wesney, um, yeah, and a couple of other players who are going to be who are going to be UCF is going to be counting on this year. I think there's just a lot of weapons at their disposal this year. I agree. I think there's a lot of depth. And we know what I found interesting. Uh, your thoughts, and I know you guys alluded to it a little bit, going on the road a lot early. Yeah. Going on the road a lot. Um, your yeah. thoughts on that? And it tells me that I think uh, Todd has a lot of confidence in that this team can handle that. Well, I, you know, well, Todd mentioned this in the interview, right, that they, they kind of got caught having to do some return trips. And, right. and so that's why it worked out. They're starting the season – out in Greeley, Colorado, um, and you know, playing Northern Colorado, Duke, and Colorado State. Um, very good programs in Duke and Colorado State. Then they come home to Florida, but they're going down to Fort Myers, uh, and they're doing the Sunshine State Challenge, which uh, which Todd was able to put together uh, along with the coach, the other coaches there, where they got FAU, Florida Gulf Coast, and Miami down at Fort Myers. Um, then they have to go to. Conway, Arkansas, to play at Arkansas State's uh, tournament against um, A-State, Southern, and uh, Central Arkansas. And then they come home for their only home uh, preseason tournament. uh, Their home opener is September the 15th. That's a Friday against Virginia. They got Virginia out of the ACC and then Ole Miss out of the SEC before they actually start. Uh, uh, conference uh, play on September 22nd against East Carolina. Remember, in conference play, you play everybody twice, home and home. 
So, uh, and, and then, of course, we mentioned, you know, how tough it's going to be to play Wichita. You know, that's a tough road trip when you go out to, uh, when you go out there. And, uh, you know, we mentioned how good Wichita is traditionally. Um, they're picked preseason number one in the American. That's how good they are. <laughs> so, well, that, first year that, in the that, league, that, and there you go, right? Well, that's the thing, obviously, and we'll get into this. One of the storylines in the American Conference in all sports this year is the obviously the addition of Wichita State for a majority of the sports. You know, and obviously men's basketball, when we get to that, that will be the big headliner about Wichita State, a team that's probably going to be ranked top 10 going into the season in basketball and be the favorites in basketball. But uh, in talking to Coach uh, Dajan and other people, I mean, the, the biggest other sport other than men's basketball that this will have the biggest impact as far as being in the conference, Wichita State being in the conference, is volleyball. They are a perennial power, top 30, top 35 team. They've dominated the Missouri Valley. They're a perennial NCAA tournament team, and that's going to add, you would think, uh, significant cachet to the American Conference and keep it being a, now a consistent multiple-bid league Um and maybe help the league get more at large as you like to think. I know Coach Dagenet has been outspoken about it in the past about maybe some of the politics and the selection process that they tend to, you know, it's two power five hendry, uh, heavy and stuff like that. But I think the American Conference is getting better and better every year. Wichita State will be the heavy favorite, although I'm in the minority, believe it or not. I like Cincinnati, uh, Jeff, as you know. I covered Cincinnati here the last couple of years. They got the best player in the conference, in yep. my opinion, and Jordan Thompson. Yeah, Jordan I saw Thompson, preseason player of the year, yep. Yeah, and, and you know, don't take my word for it. Let's Erin Campbell, a former UCF volleyball player, uh, an analyst, uh, volleyball, when she did the game with me, she said she's an all-American type. So she's a type of player that can play for the United States uh, beyond, you know, after college. So. Uh, I still like Cincinnati personally with that group uh, of Thompson and that recruiting class that they had. I think it's between Wichita and Cincinnati, but I think those are two powerhouses uh, right there. And then we're not even talking about the other teams below behind them, I guess, in the preseason poll. You know, Temple, uh, they're very well coached. They're very good. Uh, SMU, USF's got material. They've got talent. Uh, this is a stacked league. And I know that Todd has mentioned this not only in the interview but on social media stuff, right? I don't. I would be surprised if anybody ran away with a dominant record in the league, don't you? I feel like everybody's gonna. There's gonna be some losses. I just hope that the league doesn't get hurt because everybody's beating each other up, you know. And that's my only yeah. concern. Comes selection, you know, when the selection show comes. I hope that the league gets the credit it deserves because I, I think this is a league that probably should be a three to four bid league this year. I think so too. Todd mentioned that he thought it should be four to five. And, uh, and, and the thing was that he did mention that, um, that it's going to be, you, you could have, you know, as many as five teams in sort of that, you know, nine to 11 win range. Um, and, and you're right. I am a little bit worried about, you know, them kind of beating, beating each other up, but, that gives you an opportunity because, you know, somebody is going to slip up that you think might have the chance to, to wrap it up. And then all of a sudden you're heading into the final weekend with a chance to win to win the conference outright. So uh, I'm really excited to see what they're what they'll have in store. It, it, it is a stack. This is as stacked as this league has ever been, has ever been. So here's the thing. If you're UCF, Jeff, I'll put you on the spot. It, to get to the NCAA tournament, 
do they have to finish top three to be to feel comfortable? You know, we, we could certainly debate how many teams a team should get in the league, but let's be honest, if you're fourth or fifth in the league, you're not going to feel as comfortable as you do if you finish second or third. So that's, to me, the question is if the ceiling for UCF here, you know, What's going to be the key to over get those swings? You know, beat the Temple. It's going to come down to that probably. Can you? You know, you, the Temple matches last year could have you know, could have easily swept Temple. Uh, could have gone either way. Points down the stretch in that fifth set is going to be pivotal, and you can't have any slip ups, quote unquote, against the bottom teams who are better. That that was the other thing that at times I think you know you can't have any slip ups. You got to win the matches you're supposed to. You got to win your home matches, and then you know kind of maybe split on the road uh it's going to be fascinating to me how they handle this it, it, and it's good that's going to be it's a, the room for air is not much i mean that's yeah uh it's going to be interesting to me I, it, it's really wide open right like two it, it, it sounds crazy to say but i think you might agree two or three swings could be the difference between second place and sixth place in this league maybe even fewer you know considering i think you you know todd mentioned this too and i happen to agree with him you know we got two teams basically in the top 50 coming into this year and two more on the outside. Now, or, or excuse me, four teams in the top 50 and two more, you know, knocking on the door. Um, you know, I, I, I'm with him on that. It's, it's just going to, it's just going to be a tough run. It's going to be a, a slug fest. And, and I, and my hope is that, you know, the, the Americans conference RPI also is a reflection of that. Um, last year, the American was sixth out of 31 conferences, uh, it, sixth best in uh, in conference RPI. Um, that's going to I I think without that that's Wichita go State without, without Wichita, Wichita State, State. Yeah, you're looking at you're looking at. I mean, you know, going up to you know maybe maybe even fourth. Who knows? Um, you know, and 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 it and the middle of the conference is going to be strong based on that. You know, nine to nine to twelve wins. Maybe half the conference might be around that. Uh, might be around that. Um, yeah, it, it, and Todd mentioned that too. I, I think that it's going to be, God, it's going it, to. It, we're going to see some really exciting volleyball this year at the venue. I really do believe that. Um, and that home schedule, you know, like I said, we don't don't have too many non-conference games, but in conference, you know, I mean, it, 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 get your tickets now, man, because this is going to be a. A, a brutal stretch, it, and I mean brutal in a good way because you know we're going to see some really good teams, some really talented teams um, in uh, coming through the uh, coming through the venue, and I think it's going to depend on um, you know how UCF depends. Really, there are few there are few sports you know outside of football and basketball that really you can feed off the crowd as much as volleyball, and when that place is packed. It's a madhouse, dude. You got uh, you know. I'm hoping that we see some really good attendance for our uh, for those uh, those volleyball matches. Which, oh by the way, I will be doing PA for again uh, this fall too. So I'm excited about that, and I'm very thankful to UCF for uh, allowing me to do that as well. Important to play well on the road in the non-conference too. You got to establish some road wins, get yep. some confidence, get into the conference portion. And, and, you know, as you know, a lot of times committees will look at that. How many wins you have in neutral courts on the road? That matters. So, I, I uh, look, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's no no ways. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this comes out. I agree. Home matches in the conference will be pivotal. Can they finally, you know, they haven't beaten Cincinnati at home. 
the last couple of years came close last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. You got Wichita. You know, can you get you know can you get some splits there because those are quality wins as well. So that helps you in the RPI. So I think that's a factor too. You look at last year, for example, they lost at home to Temple, lost at home to Cincinnati, uh, lost at home uh, to uh, SMU. So that didn't really uh, help their cause. Uh, can they flip that and get some get some of those wins? Because yeah, let's be honest, it's going to be hard to win at Wichita State. It's going to be hard to win at Cincinnati. So can you steal, you know, beat, you know, split those and then beat the teams you're supposed to in the league? That's what it's going to yeah. come down to, and it's going to be dramatic. This team, I think, is is poised and ready to do that. You know, in terms of the talent that they have offensively, uh, and then of course, you know, we mentioned, you know, and it, we talked with you know with Todd, you know, how good you know Jordan Pingle is defensively, along with the other players back there. Kia Bright does not get enough credit for being an excellent two way player. Um, and then we're going to have some uh, – and then getting you know Aaron Olsen back there as a setter and defensively I think is going to be a huge boost uh, to the team as well. Not to mention the veterans that we have, you know, like Miranda Watkins uh, as well. So um, this, should be, this should be exciting. I, I do think that UCF is going to finish higher than their uh, fifth-place ranking uh, in the preseason. Uh, do they get an at-large bid to the um, NCAAs? Um, I don't know. I hope so. I hope that the uh, that the conference at least is strong enough where um, you know they that UCF can get you know another twenty win season, maybe encroach on you know maybe flirt with twenty five wins, uh, win some strong some of those non conference matches as well uh, before their conference season starts, and then it'll be and then it should be a lot of fun to see um, if they can do that. So. All right, Lopez, so that's our outlook for uh, UCF Volleyball uh, here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Uh, just a reminder uh, that you can follow UCF Volleyball at UCF underscore Volleyball on Twitter and follow uh, Todd Dagenet as well at UCFVBTodd. That's UCFVBTodd on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, hit us up at, on Twitter at UCF, un, er, UCF underscore Banneret. Uh, and also hit me up at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Don't forget to leave us a rating as well. All right, so that'll do it for our volleyball preview. Uh, don't forget, you can also listen to our women's soccer preview uh, as well for this week. Remember, we're doing our trifecta of previews here on the podcast instead of the one regular show, so you can pick and choose which ones you want. And we've also got men's soccer uh, as well with new head coach uh, Scott Calabrese coming up. So that'll do it for the bat. That'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Thanks for listening. We will catch you with the rest of our previews this week and head into football season next week. <laughs>